up? What we talked about? I don't know. We about to see. Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. Hello, all. It's your host, Tamara Plummer. Welcome to this week's episode with my colleague and friend, Nordia Bennett, fellow Union Theological Seminary in New York City graduate. I'm very excited to have this conversation with Nordia. A couple of things before we get started. First of all, what I learned when recording with Nordia this week, I learned that when your friends are sending you text messages, it cuts out the audio when you're recording online. So every time I got a notification, it got cut out. I've tried to edit the conversation so that it still makes sense, even for the parts that got a little bit cut off. So first of all, apologies to Nordia because her brilliance got cut a couple times, but her brilliance is still very present in this conversation. It was just an honor and a pleasure. So I apologize for the technical difficulties, but I think I resolved them as best as could be with my knowledge and capacity at the time. We were recording in New York City in our apartments. You might even be able to hear the radiator going off right now. That means that you're going to hear some background noise. You're going to hear some sounds like sirens going off, etc. And so just be aware of that. So Nordia has a skin condition called hydrodenitis superativa. You'll hear her mention skin condition, but again, with the technical difficulty, it gets cut off. If you want to know more about this condition, I would encourage you to follow Nordia on her Instagram. She has very honest and open conversations about the process of dealing with that skin condition. Um, you can follow Nordia at I am Nords, I-A-M-N-O-R-D-S. And that's where you'll find out more information about many, many things. The only other thing I wanted to cover before we get started with Nordia This is going to be an episode where I did not edit or cut out curse words at all. We had a very sister girl conversation. And so if cuss words are not your thing, or if you listen to this podcast in front of children, it's going to have cuss words, a good bit of them. Um, And you'll see why, because a part of what we talk about is this idea that God and the divine lives in all things. And that if we're talking about the erotic, it does. it's not just about the clean and the pretty, it's about all of it. And so I thought that in honor of all of us showing up in our full authentic selves is that we cuss. And so it's going to have some cussing and it's going to have some good theology. The only other thing is if you're not Christian or if you're not familiar with the language, we talk a lot about incarnation and the incarnation of Christ in our being. Incarnation is the word that one uses to point to a core Christian principle that God became flesh. So that's when the divine manifests the divine self in human form or in the world, that is an incarnation. So in all beings and all creation, that, that, that is the word made flesh, God made flesh, God made real, made present in this world. 
uh, not kind of living in some other plane that is incarnational. Uh, theologians, you can get at me and yell at me about that definition, but that is how I'm defining it today in the most simplest of terms. Let's get started. Um, my name is Nordia Bennett. Um, I am from New Jersey. My migrated from Jamaica um, around 1990s just to give siblings and I a better chance at life in this great big world. I am currently in East Harlem where I am surviving this wild pandemic that we're in. I graduated from Union Theological Seminary in May of 2021 with my Master of Divinity, primarily focusing on theology and using specifically the Black woman's experience and then the LGBTQA plus experience to better understand God and what does it mean to be a human being growing up in a Pentecostal conservative household God was only seen in one particular way and it was it was you just prayed and you fast and somehow God was there and I remember as a kid I was like what that don't make no damn sense and I was always like in church like always sitting there waiting like I was always trying to wait for that and it was never a moment <laughs> until I got to seminary and I really thought I was broken. I really thought it was like a, like a broken record. And that wasn't the case. It was just, I understood God in a very particular way. And it made no sense that I'm trying to get to heaven and we have called earth and we're not supposed to like being here. And so I started questioning those things and then seminary gave me a lot of space to question things. And Let's see, what do I like? I'm a kickboxer. Well, not really since the pandemic ended, started, but love to kickbox. <laughs> um, it's a good way to let out my aggression, particularly in seminary. It helps me out a lot. That's awesome. Um, love me some matcha lattes. Honestly, I got on that wave because I was tired of drinking coffee. The matcha thing became a thing, and that's where kind of all my money has been going to these days. <laughs> and I love a good Netflix show. I love binging. Mm -hmm. which is crazy you know what is wild it is wild that I was able to upkeep my life in my whole binging shows while at seminary because I will literally finish my shows and still get work done it was always a thing but that is me in a nutshell okay can we go back to kickboxing and yeah. matcha lattes also because it feels like a big part of the the partly why we're talking is about your work around around the erotic and self-care which is a lot about embodiment and the shift that you have made into this kind of more embodied understanding of God in this place, in this world, not just about trying to get to the next world. Right. Can you talk a little bit more about that journey? How did you get to this place of an embodied theology and then world? Oh, that's so long, but um, I think <laughs> it's really complicated. It really is. But I think Honestly, I really think it all started in 2018 when I cut my hair off. And in that particular moment, I was working at a nonprofit and I was really unhappy. And I recently graduated from Denison University and I was trying to understand what was happening to me. I was, I followed all the rules, Tamara. Like, you know, I graduated mm -hmm. with a job in hand when I crossed mm -hmm. the stage. I was able to live with my parents for the um the duration. I was able to really just do whatever I wanted, but I still was unhappy. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first time I wanted, I told friends that I wanted to cut my hair off. People were like, "Oh, what are you talking about? That's 
that is totally not you and I was like why like it will look good on me they were like mm-hmm. what if you don't like it and I'm like but it'll I can get a wig or it'll grow back mm-hmm. and so I remember a day I was crying in the car and I was like god please help me let this please I need something I want to be authentic I want to be me and I, I said those words and then that Friday because I prayed on the Monday that Friday I went to a random barber that was an hour away from my family's home in Jersey and I got mm. and I cut my hair off and that moment I felt so free I felt the most pretty like I felt mm-hmm. like me like it really was a moment was like wow I can understand how the creator made me in that moment mm-hmm. it was like with that intention of me just doing whatever the fuck I wanted to do but honoring that and like honoring what I wanted. And ever since I did that cut, everything was like a whole nation. And oddly enough, that was the beginning of me, like just unraveling my queerness in that time moment too. But the embodiment then became another shift when I wrote about it in my thesis at Union. And so took a class with Dr. Carvales and we were talking about sacraments and globalization. And I remember one of his assignments, he said, you know, just meditate with the with the with plants. The yes, yes. He said meditate with it. I was like, and I meditated on my bed, so weird, so uncomfortable with a cantaloupe. <laughs> I meditated with this cantaloupe. Like, okay, you want me to do this assignment? So that would. Um, and so it, in that moment in that class, I feel like that was such an eye opener when I was like, wait my whole life is God like it was like a whole thing and I was like but the Eucharist interesting the Eucharist is not the Eucharist is a symbol for something beyond itself and I was like symbol beyond itself is me and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be transformed on that Sunday when I take the Eucharist Mm -hmm. and so I remember when I get my hair cut every single other week or whenever I get my hair done I remembered like how good get my hair cut. And I was like, God is in this place because I met God in the barbershop. And I met mm-hmm. God because I was able to make choices that I wanted to make. I made choices that honored my desires, my deepest knowing. And I remember even when I like think of things and I say, wow, I want to do this. And then I tell someone and they like, t- they talk me out of it. And then months go by and I'm wrestling. And I'm like, I'm upset and I'm pissed. And then it, it comes back full circle and I'm like, Girl, you should have did the first thing that you said you wanted to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. That was what it was. You mm-hmm. don't need to validate it. A lot of that started in the barbershop when I would get random, like, I would go to the barbershop and I'll be like, just give me a design. And my barber mm-hmm. would just give me a design. And those are moments where I used to play with my hair and I would play with my color. I didn't realize how, how important it was until I random people would say stuff to me on the street. And not in some weird way, but they would generally stop and like oh my goodness how did you do that I will never have the confidence mm-hmm. to do that and I will always say yes you do me feel like the more and more I did things with my hair the more I understood who I was and I was a I don't care I was a, I don't give a fuck what you got to say I like just wanted to do things what I wanted to do and then I realized the more and more I did stuff the more and more other people just wanted perm- it sounds like you were exercising your light and it allows other people's light to be absorbed or to, to, sh- to shine as well. Yes. Like there's a difference in ex- exuding your yes. light to block out other people. And there's a, a way of exuding light that invites other people's light to join your light. Yes. 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 I'm like, join me. Like, this is 
fun. Mm-hmm. So when I started that journey, all I knew, and I still do, Tamara, to this day, sometimes it's just this deepest knowing. Like, it's just a thing. And it's and I can't explain it to people because I can't even explain it to myself. An overwhelming feeling that I have about the goodness of God and, like, the goodness of life. And, like, for instance, um, <laughs> I went on a run today and I saw these ducks in the pond in Central Park. And I was like, oh, my goodness, these little ducks, they just here in the water, just at the water and doing whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. But then I was just, like, I really yeah. get to be a part of life with these ducks that are just chilling in the pond, not doing anything but minding their business. You know, theologians could say so many things about the existential crisis of what it means to be a human and all this stuff. I'm always reminded of M. Sean Copeland in Fleshing Freedom, where she just talks about this understanding of marked bodies, carry um, all these systems and institutions and internalized things on us and without us even knowing it's a perception of ourselves and then and it's the external and the internal right and so mm-hmm. when I get that overwhelming feeling about life I think of this is what God wants God wants me to feel like every day like mm-hmm. just in awe that awe feeling and it was in my research that I realized in you know our humanities wants to find tangible in and things that we can explain those are that is the grace and the mystery in which I'm find God without having to be tangible without allowing my humanness human human aspects of me to come alive and be like okay let me try to grasp this let me grab it and and put it in my pocket and carry it with me God is just like well just experience it like just that I think that's the greatest gift that we could have and so that's where I got the embodiment. And it's looking different and different every day, but that's where it began with my hair. I love, so two things that I'm going to relate. One is also as a child of Jamaican immigrants, but different because my mom is more like 60s hippie. So, right. Um, but uh, I came here like in the 70s and stuff. So different experience. But that like graduating with a job was a absolutely important activity. <laughs> Right. You you will follow the rules and then get this right Mm -hmm. job and get this right thing and like like don't if you come back in my house you better be prepared to pay bills like don't come in my house without purpose. So that was there was this way in which I did follow all the rules and then as soon as I graduated I had spent my whole last semester in braids so them things were janky (laughs) and I had I had about two inches of new growth. And I moved to Boston and I had rented an apartment in this woman's house in an attic in the middle of the summer. So it was hot as hell. No Mm. AC. I figured out how to drive to the liquor store and back. Picked up a six pack of, of, uh, um, what do you call them things? Oh God, the terrible things that are not beer. Wine coolers. Was watching Oprah and cut my braids out because I was too lazy to take them out. I like that. And that like is that. how I cut my hair off. Cause I was like, I, and I just cried and cut my hair off. Cause I was like, I don't know what this is for. But I do yeah. think Yeah, cutting your hair off is like <laughs> totally transformational new beginnings. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, graduation. <laughs> so you brought me back to, to cut your hair off days. 
but I was not as smart as you, like going to a barber. A barber. Uh, yeah, would have been I was a- really particular. I vetted that barber too. I was like, who's gonna do my who whoever's cut my hair better be good? <laughs> like I do not need nobody chopping me up. I'm sure he knew how to cut cut a woman's hair. I was like, mm-hmm. with it. I was so serious. Um, that that would have been a wiser choice than scissors because <laughs> I had the worst afro for a little while. It was fun. You found God in the barbershop and the barbershop, it sounds like the barbershop has continued to kind of be your church. Because it's yeah. like, and that you're just finding church is kind of a place for self-discovery and self-realization, which yeah. is, I think is beautiful. Are there other places in your life that feel like church or other places that you have created that make you that allow that to happen as well like it's the people that I I get to call my chosen family Mm -hmm. or I call my friends my life partners because I know they're going to be here for the long haul Mm -hmm. and even if they aren't I know that like I'm grateful to know that we exist in the same orbit and I always say that like so many people that have come across my life over many different seasons and I think Western culture has taught us that like when things end bad mm-hmm. and that's not the case like it was still good for in its time and I think oddly enough community and has taught me what it means to like take care of I had lunch with a fellow union um, student and they're still there and you know when it was time coffee or lunch that we had she was like oh no I'm gonna pay for it because this is my like tithe this is how I tithe I don't tithe to the church anymore I tithe when I go out with people um and I'm in community with people and I thought that was the most profound thing because Mm -hmm. I come from a household where you know if you want God to do something you sow a seed and that's how God is able to transform right finding my confidence and my voice and when I started the workshop it was the homies that told me you need to stop playing and do this workshop you know it was the homies that helped build me up with you know helping providing resources with people that do graphic design are the Mm -hmm. homies people that are public speaking consultants that are homies that give me sessions for a discount you know mm-hmm. they're the, helping me and walking with me you know and and to me when you see God move it's not just the miracle signs and wonders but it's the people mm-hmm. you know like when I think of God and we think of like Jesus like Jesus Jesus was a Jesus, God became flesh right if, that means our bodies mean something and so you can't tell me I'm meant to just just to live and to die in the cosmos, but I'm deeply supposed to be in community with people. I'm deeply supposed to love on people. I'm supposed to allow people to love me back. And I think right now, in my currently in my life, I'm really <laughs> it's been a process of not realizing I really wasn't allowing people to love me back. Mm. Like I wasn't allowing people to love me back and how much that took a toll on my relationship with God. Like, I wouldn't allow God to love me, you know? Mm. Yeah, God loved me, allowing God to love me. I wasn't giving God the, the the permission. And yeah, I do have agency to decide if I let God be in my life or not. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let's be real. Like, 
it's a co-collaborative space between me and God. And so that's how I find God is with my people, is with you. You know, when we link up, when we do, it's mm-hmm. like, remember when, when we went to brunch? To brunch. <laughs> When we went to brunch, all the black, we just all singing in the, and we just started sliding and everything in the, in the restaurant. Like, you cannot tell me this wasn't the spirit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the spirit was in that place. A room full of people at at Sunday happy hour brunch times, um, singing week, which Questlove calls the black people national anthem for real. Uh, listen, listen. <laughs> it was we was in there literally just looking like as if we knew each other like we knew each right. other like we mm-hmm. met each other, you know mm-hmm. and so when I see those things happen I'm like yo there's so much here like here on this earth and I, I call this place a playground it's because it really is mm-hmm. despite you know racism sexism business, all this shit trying to kill us yeah. all these trying to, try to kill us this was meant to be a playground to just do our thing. Like, mm-hmm. to just be whoever we want to be because in my little existential dreads I be having these days, like, I may not even remember if I was here. Mm. Mm-hmm. So why not make, why not say fuck the systems and fuck whatever people think God is because we don't know who God is. We mm-hmm. really don't. No. Even and so much of what of you're life. saying, but like so much what? of what you're saying is about this this co-creation of not of God feels like it's coming from a co-creation of redefining what family and relationships look like which feels very yeah. queer queer theology to me and probably is and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. this this that that it's all of it's chosen family is as real and important as um whatever we were born into yeah, but then also you're it, not rejecting what we're born into. There's a celebration of what we're born into as well, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Yes, like I don't like. I think it's a beautiful thing to hold tensions, mm-hmm. like hold it all, mm-hmm. because even in holding tensions, we're able to create something new. And I think this understanding that we're always being transformed every single day. It gives us the grace to to just to 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 leap just as like a personal like thing. When I was right when we graduated from Union, you know, our health insurance was going to end. It was a whole chronic condition, and I was very deeply just distraught, just not knowing how I was going to get treatment still, and I was afraid to be on Medicaid just because of just you know like they're afraid that they wouldn't be able to uh, pay for what you needed and stuff. Mm-hmm. in a way that that was deeply considerate of like everything that has been taken this far will you still pay for it and I remember I was holding on to every single thing I was holding on to relationships I was holding on to belief systems I was holding on like okay I'm graduating union but I'm not going to be ordained what does this life look like for me mm-hmm. with this damn degree like I was holding on to all these things and honestly, they all went away. Like the insurance went away. Like I to the point where I had to get Medicaid. Like I paid. I had to trust in the fact of fear. I had to trust in everything. God then broke it all down, mm-hmm. and then all I had left was what I was afraid of. Imagine being staring at everything you was afraid of that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all you have is collaborate, and it was literally <laughs> through collaboration with the spirit and my friends 
that I'm in a role and a position that I deeply love and I think is going to take me far, that's where that's what happens. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, and I hold the nuances is everything I say today because it's not easy. Like I know what no. it feels like to be in that place where you're afraid to do it. Like you think that you're not gonna make it. Like I know what that feels like. I know what it, you know, call it quits, commit suicide and call it a damn day. Like I really know what that mm-hmm. feels like. And to this day, I honestly, I, I the Jamaican aunties in church when they be like, I know the goodness of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I really can say that. I <laughs> I, I know the goodness of Jesus. I know mm-hmm. when they mean, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. I know what it mm-hmm. is. Maybe it says, I know it. Maybe, you know, what we can say is, I was glad when they said unto me, I'm about to go to my friend's house and mm-hmm. hang out with the homies. Like, mm-hmm. we know what that feels like. You know, we know that anticipation of, I was glad when they said, my barber said he could take me at on 7 o'clock on Thursday. You mm-hmm. know, we know what that feels like. We just got to change just church. I was glad when we go to church. I was glad when I got a cup of, cup of coffee. You know, I was glad when I was able to go to brunch with the homies. Like, mm-hmm. it's all these things that we think is only accessible in, four, like, the four walls of a church. Right. Church. Church is worshiping with your life. Like, how is my life showing God that, like, my no, life I is love a, you. Ain't that a gospel song? My life is, like, an offering. Like, well, this goes back to the Kavayas class, which is all is liturgy. All, all that yes. we do from having sex with a partner to smoking, to drinking, to eating, to getting washed and dressed, to praying that our whole life is a manifestation of the divine presence. That we, if we life. live that way, we could transform how our entire world functions literally how our entire book and the reason and it was it's funny because recently I became a plant person three years ago I was gonna be a plant person I would have laughed in your face because I couldn't Mm -hmm. keep a plant alive for nothing but Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now I got like 20 30 plants now and they and they are literally my babies like I learned a lot just from looking at these plants even just looking around I'm like they take forever to sprout but when they do it's the most beautiful thing. And I remember someone saying like, you should have plants around you because they absorb your energy. Mm. But you got to be careful because I have one plant and I realized someone said, well, what kind of season are you in? And I realized I was going through so much. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, I, I use it as a metaphor. When I, I had a plant and she grew and the pot was getting to her. And I remember this time it was graduated from union it was literally I, I repotted her like a week before graduation into a mm-hmm. bigger pot and shorty was just not doing well and during yeah. that season a couple months I was not doing mm-hmm. and recently I went to the to the center to get um just to get more plants but I was like yo what's up with my plant she's not doing well right now and the black auntie auntie in there was like sis where's the soil I was like what do you mean she's like sis your plant like, you're coming for me. <laughs> she came from my whole life. She was like, sis, you why are you doing your plant like this? And I was like, dang, I that is how we look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I literally repotted her and gave her whatever she had on that pot, I transferred it into the bigger pot with the same thing. That is literally my life right now. Mm-hmm. Everything that I had in that old pot is not working for the new pot. 
Right. I literally you needed to, to like get rid it. of the old soil, get some fresh new yes! soil, dig literally, the hole, man. put her in the new soil. <laughs> yes, literally. And now Shorty just be drinking water. And I'm like, yo, why are you just drinking all this damn water, bro? And I realized Shorty is in a whole new environment with your cup. And I mm. said, wow, that's a word. And then so what I mean is the plants will teach you everything you need to know about life and yourself because you have to give them grace and you don't you know they're just so full of knowledge and then Mm -hmm. you just and and it's so interesting how plants when you think one plants will actually they realize they're not doing well they will literally cut off circulation or decrease their ability to like circulate Mm -hmm. to cut off a dead plant so it won't so it so it, the plant doesn't use all its energy to, to that one plant. Mm. And I always felt that was such a beautiful thing of understanding just like life and just yeah. people and, and how we're supposed to be. Like if somebody in your life is sucking you dry, you cut them off. You, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, so, and it's, it's making me think of this plant. I'm, I too have been trying to become a green thumb. My mom, <laughs> my mom is very much a green thumb and I have never been. But I kept two plants alive all pandemic. So I was very proud okay. of myself. And that so I started. Very, that's what yeah, I bought new plants. I realized succulents are not my thing. I've killed every single one I bought. <laughs> um, well, you but... have to kill succulents, though. Girl, they were like, this is an easy plant. Just don't water it. I'm like, how the fuck did it dry up when I didn't water it? Then I watered it and then it kept drying up. I don't know what to do with you. So I just let it die. I was like, this is not oh, mine. Dead. No! So it's just not mine. I don't know how to make it better. So I just let it go. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this, this, there's a couple plants where I'm like, how much light do you need? Because right. sometimes they kind of like the darkness. And I realize in myself, I kind of like the darkness sometimes too. Yeah. My friends would be like, Tamara, you need to just have joy and happiness and I'm like, I just want to go be depressed in the corner for a little while. Leave me right. alone. And then, and, then, and then come back. And then know? come back. And then I will find the light. So you That's can see me. the bends of the plant where it like retreats from the light, comes back to the light. Yes, yes. Literally, yes. <laughs> it's so good. I love I love it all. I love that Dr. Uh, Car- Claudio Carvias had such a large impact on you. Because my memory of that class, I remember he said... Um, we talked about the Eucharist and he was saying, let's like you, when you lift the bread, you say like, thank you God for this bread and for the farmer. And we uh, repent of the fact that we did not pay the farm laborer appropriate wages and like all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, that sounds perfect. And people were like, this is blowing my mind. I was like, wait, is this not how liturgy was conceived should have been conceived? Cause I'm feeling (laughs) it should have been conceived that way. But but people were like, no, I didn't even think of. I was like, oh, so so this is. I I was so confused by the idea that it was a new concept that when we are praying the liturgy, we are praying it in re- in relationship with all that are in that place, but everyone who is outside of that place. And that was like a a moment where I realized like I I got raised different, and so apparently mm-hmm. my mom was not teaching the same catechesis that everybody else was being taught (laughs) um so thanks jennifer carroll for raising me question i want to go back to the workshop because the workshop was reimagining the erotic and self-care yes you don't have to give the workshop but if you could give us the high high points (laughs) yeah i can say yeah i can definitely when i think of the erotic yeah let's start with the erotic and defining it because it's complicated 
is what I would say, right? Yes, it is. I'm not going to lie. I still don't know what the erotic is. Yeah, I have read and that Archie so, Lord essay 15 times. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's a mind fuck. So basically, I'm just going to read you what the erotic is. This is what Audre mm-hmm. Lorde says about the erotic itself. So what she says is, the erotic is a measure between the sense of self and the chaos of our strongest feelings. It is an internal sense of satisfaction to which once we have experienced it, we know we can aspire. For once having experienced the of this depth of feeling and recognizing its power and honor and self-respect, we can require no less of ourselves. What Nordy is quoting from is called The Uses of the Erotic, The Erotic as Power by Audre Lorde. It's in the book, Sister Outsider. Also, you can Google it and find PDFs all over the place of this essay. Um, It's on page 53 of Sister Outsider if you want to get the book. So I wanted to say the quote that Nordia says because it gets a little bit cut off. It says on page 54 of Sister Outsider, Uses of the Erotic. The erotic is a measure between the beginnings of our sense of self and the chaos of our strongest feelings. It is an internal sense of satisfaction to which once we have experienced it, we know we can aspire For having experienced the fullness of this depth of feeling and recognizing its power in honor and self-respect, we can require no less of ourselves. Just an additional quote from the uses of the erotic that I think are important for the conversation. The erotic is a resource within each of us that lies in a deeply female and spiritual plane firmly rooted in the power of our unexpressed or unrecognized feeling. The reason why I got to the erotic and erotic and self-care was because I would burn myself out so greatly. And I would I would I would burn myself out and I would apply to jobs that I, I could get just because I knew who I was and I was overqualified for it. So I know I was going to get it. And I would always operate from this place of lack. And mm-hmm. I would always operate from this, I need to survive and I need money to pay my bills so I can live my bougie life to be well. Praying certain prayers. I kept praying that like, God, please allow me to be, allow me to expand and come from a place of abundance, to know that abundance flows above me, below me, up, around me. When I thought about the erotic and self-care, it was how do I live in a way that one allows me to worship God, but allow me to honor me and my desires and what I want in this lifetime. And so for me, when it came to the erotic, it it was that feeling what she talks about. Once you know what it what it feels like, it's the feeling part of the erotic then you require no less of yourself. And when I started maneuvering in a particular way, I realized that I've always maneuvered from a place of the erotic. I've always maneuvered in a way where I said no and yes. And I I said no to the things that I I didn't want. For instance, I applied to union without, with just union. I didn't know about other grad programs. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know theology was really a thing. 
I just mm-hmm. knew about unit and applied to union, right? Undergrad, that was the same thing I did for dentist. They, these were things that I just knew in a deep knowing that I wanted to do. Just like when mm-hmm. I cut my hair, it was a deep knowing. It was like, yes, period. When I moved in with my roommates, it was like, yes, this is what it is. When I ended relationships with people, it was a yes. When I mm-hmm. wanted to wear certain things, it was, yes, this is what I wanted to do, right? So it was always this this knowing that I knew what I wanted and I didn't, and I, and I knew what I wanted because I didn't even need to get validation from other people. Mm-hmm. And when I didn't have to get validation from other people, I knew I was operating from a place of me, from a place of and honoring me, not anybody else. And so the erotic and self-care came from a place because I said, why are we living in a world self-care has to be scheduled like once a week mm-hmm. like we wouldn't even need self-care if everyone was able to do exactly what they wanted to do like there is always that like that tiktok going on was like oh my god i never dream of labor mm-hmm. and I, but it's not that it's that our life has become labor thinking that i have to live in a way to make to be in a capitalist society you have to yeah. like, make produce money, right yeah produce and has nothing to do with your desires it's just Mm -hmm. something you do but what if I operated from a place in my life where I did everything everything I did and flowed through me was because I wanted to do it and operated from desire now I understand the nuances of that because I have the old structures in place that's impossible for uh, black and POC and indigenous folks to live that life right it's impossible it makes it really hard and also it can like you sometimes if you want to live in community with other people you have to make compromises but yes and it's like, why do mm-hmm. I have to sacrifice something? Why can't I just? And so when I, so when I, that's what I can't, that's what self-care came into. I was like, well, self, what if being, my life was a being and versus self-care was a doing? So you're telling me I do something to be versus mm-hmm. just saying, why can't I just be in order to be? And then I wouldn't even need self-care. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the things that are necessity, that are, that are a necessity are we are told that we have to earn them there's luxury like a luxury and going on vacation like we should be able to just go chill with the homies because we want to chill with the homies right like those things just don't it, it didn't feel good and so that's where the erotic and self-care came in because I wanted to to decolonize this like understanding of self-care and where it comes from because it comes from a place of productivity but what if when we choose ourselves in a particular way that allows us to honor us and whatever we want that we're able to navigate and allow that to come into fruition in a way that is not a burden, but it's actually from a place of fun that I'm going to wake up and enjoy waking up and excited for the the day to come, mm-hmm. you know, versus me, like back in the day, I would wake up crying already. Like, sis, I just mm-hmm. went to sleep for eight hours. Why am I waking up crying? Mm-hmm. I should like be and fell asleep for the day. and felt fell asleep crying. Yes, like was I like just not happy sleeping? Mm-hmm. And so, and I realized that I see the difference. Like I can, I can, I can tell the difference now. When I wake up, I'm I'm ready to get up. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, God, what's up with the day? I'm excited to see the beauty of the day. That's a, the deepest parts of ourselves are masked with purity culture it's masked with these things that society told us that we needed like we need to have a romantic partner to be whole no 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 boo we're, right we're mad i would like these- more people to be whole 
before they right. decide to date me. That would actually be helpful. It would be very helpful, actually. <laughs> I would like to be. I would like to be able. To I be would like, like to come to you whole. Exactly, and so, yeah. and it's like this erotic is like it is the sensuality. It's this. It's the. It's not the sexuality for me. It's mm-hmm. the sensuality. It's like this flowing. It's like this. This dancing that you're dancing in in the world, like you're dancing down the street and you're humming and you're like, wow, hi y'all, or you're just so in awe with everything that is a part of life. Well, it feels like an invitation to recognize the divine presence inside of our beings. Yes, it's already here. Already here, already existing, that if we believe in in, in, incarnation, particularly for those who identify as Christian, like we should be easily capable of understanding an incarnation within our beings if we believe in a... a, and a risen Christ, <laughs> like there's an incarnational spirit in our beings, and that knowing that deep place allows a place of joy, which is different than happiness. That it's a, like a, uh, I like this idea of living out of that deep knowing in yourself. I th- I think we're about 14 years apart, right, Nordia? You're like 26. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so how old are you? I'm 40, girl. I'm old. No, you're not. Yes, I am, ma'am. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't got no kids. That's why I ain't no stress in my life. Um, oh my no, goodness! No heterosis men in my life. I I have very very little stress these days. Um, but only people stressing me out is white people. Um, the, the uh, what was I talking about before I went on my sadness about being single? What? Fuck! It went away. Deep knowing. The oh, the, 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 you were talking about this kind of intuitive body knowing, and I feel like I don't know when I lost it. Like yeah. I can't point to the point where I lost it. But I think part of having following the rules for me was that it allowed me to kind of there was a little bit of freedom in that time. So in my earliest part in life, I would be like, I think I should walk down this block, and I would just like walk down this block. Like I know I have to be somewhere mm-hmm. at a certain time. There were some boundaries, but I could just kind of like live and then I walk down the block and I meet somebody who's like hey you want a job sure I want a job and then I was like get a job and like it would just it was just kind of this um there in Harry Potter there's this this juice that they can take which is like luck and people yeah. and and then Harry is like I don't know why I need to do this but I just need to go to this place and he like and everything works out in its order because he's living within this deep knowing of of where he should or should not go and that, mm-hmm. that feels a little bit about what you're talking about. But it also um, raised up for me this question of the allowing to receive it back. Because there's this, so yeah. I'm working some stuff out with you right now. It's like, there's the knowing in yourself and then demonstrating it. And then the other piece that you talked about was earlier that I want to get back to is this, I allowed, pe- how do I allow people to love me back? How do I allow yeah. God to love me? And for me, there's something that feels connected between this erotic self-care being self-care rather than doing self-care that would allow some space for that that allowing others to love me or allowing God to love me. Listen, God, because this <laughs> has been the, the task of the cut last couple weeks, Lord, maybe even mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> is 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 that like i i am i'm i'm still figuring it out 
I'm still I'm still figuring it out in a way that and I know I'm figuring it out because of my because I'm getting more and more uncomfortable with things. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, um what day was it? I think it was what day last week. Yeah, it was like Friday. I had a whole moment. Like I broke down because I realized some some patterns I had with with suitors and people that mm-hmm. I dated. And I got to a place where I realized since about May or yeah, about May, I don't know, probably like six dates, but six different folk. And they didn't turn into anything. Like they just were dates and they became just really cool people. And I think I was more upset. I think I was upset on Friday. It was because I was tired of going on dates and nothing happened, you know, mm-hmm. like, I've got to a place where I, it was like, I want to like someone, you know, mm-hmm. like, I want to like someone. And I'm like, yo, spirit was good, you know, and I think recently, the more and more I've been more aware of myself is the more and more aware of me when I date. And I date not because of, now I realize I was dating from a place of lack, right? I was dating mm. to fill a void. And mm-hmm. I was, I was, I wanted them. It, it, it's, it's like I, I chose people that one that mimic parts of my parents and patterns that they did, but mm-hmm. because two, I wanted them to love me into loving me. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted them to do the work for me so I could miraculously start loving myself. And then now I realize, yo, sis, you're not dating people. You're not allowing yourself to get to that third date or fourth you don't like them and now you're okay with cutting that shit off now Mm -hmm. like I'm okay with after the first date telling someone nah I don't think this is going to work and recently I did that this week I told someone again nah I don't think this is going to work and I told someone else again and they reached out and told me you know life in this situation is and we're just not meeting each other where we need to be right now and I got sad again because I was like damn everybody is just not lining up with me mm. a part of that is i'm excited because it's sad right as well right i'm excited and hopeful because i reached the place where i don't take my love life personally and that deep knowing of knowing i am worthy of a lot of things mm-hmm. but it's 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 now the erotic for me is looking like being okay with it you know mm-hmm. like I'm I'm telling you yeah the erotic thing but when it's time to make choices because the erotic has activated in you and now you know you can't accept anything less than because I know what it feels like to be mm-hmm. loved mm-hmm. and to allow someone to love me back mm-hmm. I know after the first date I need to cut that shit off because mm-hmm. I know this is Many people have said, Nordium, but what if you're just picky, you know? What if, oh. what if just just wait, you know, just wait. Oh. I'm like, but the spirit done told me that this wasn't it. So why am I going on a second date? And mm-hmm. I've done that. I've gone on a second date trying to prove something, but they felt it too. So I'm like, bitch, why you do that in the first place? So I think now I'm realizing the influence of the erotic in my life. Yeah. It's, un- it's an inconvenience. Yeah, it is. I mean, deeply inconvenient as someone who 
because I too got a lot of like you're being picky Tamara like part of why you can't you can't get a man is because you need to like open yourself up and blah blah and what I have learned about myself in dating is if I do relax my standards if I do um transform myself into what I think is going to attract that other person but it's not genuinely who I am on the inside we gonna have a fight anyway right and so (laughs) what happens is I end up in three month long relationships with people because you should have never been in it in the first right what I should have done after our first conversation was like wow you're really fun to be around if you want to develop a friendship, I have all the space for that. I think actually we would enjoy having drinks together. But that sounds like about as much as we're going to be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, it, it, it's, it's just so, uh, it's so frustrating. It's very it's frustrating. frustrating. <laughs> with the spirit because it's like spirit, I know what you're doing. And then it's also like, but I know, I know there's folk out there for me. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I need to sit down. Right. And let me like allow the erotic to take its place in my life. Like, but and, also and I, it, it stops us from being open to the people that do a lot. Like, I think I missed out on opportunities because I was so hell bent on some prescribed idea yeah. of what the relationship should look like that yeah. I didn't listen to the intuitive when it was saying like, try this other thing that you doesn't necessarily seem like it's right up your alley, but it might feel good. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, it no, might. no, no. <laughs> I've done that too. I've done that too. And, and, and one thing, I've been trying to like hold on to at least is I'm in a place where I'm not going to shoot people down. Mm-hmm. I'm not, but also I'm in a place where if, if things happen and they unravel, work out, I know it wasn't because of me. Like, you know, I know it was because <laughs> I didn't try because I did it. But one thing I'm allowing is, and, it, and I think that has been the scary part is it's like once you realize how powerful you are mm. it's not about knowing you're powerful it's when you allow that powerfulness to take over mm-hmm. and to be the driver in your life the, in the driver's seat mm-hmm. it makes things it makes decisions a little much harder because you realize that you're thinking this fucking world mm-hmm. you realize how much shit that you you allow to happen in your past I was like mm. yo you let that shit happen back in the past mm. what is what, what and you know that's part of me that I have to forgive myself give myself grace and I think that's the biggest part of the erotic for me is when I allow that thing to 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 be the the, the key in my heart to make to allow it to officially make the decisions that I want it's really hard to sit to it's really hard more than you're saying yes to things Mm. and I really I really don't like that because I used to say yes a lot but I used to be unhappy but now Mm. I'm saying no and I'm happy you know Mm. (laughs) it's like like, well pick our desires right is your desire Mm. telling you like you know you want to be with somebody you know yeah partnership connection sexuality all of that is a part of the erotic too like you want to be connected to people yeah exactly it's just saying mm-hmm. the presentations, what's given to us right now, ain't it. And you're like, but I want it now. And so when you know, you know. And I think you're about it to just do what it needs to do. Like, let the spirit move and sit down. Like, I'm going to just get out the spirit's way. Even on collaboration, like, sit down <laughs> so I can do what I need to go do for you real quick. 
and then we go get it right. I'm gonna kick it with you. And I'm like, I bet I got you spirit. So it's more so like knowing when to tap out, you know, and allow the spirit to like take over like y'all teammates. So allow the spirit to take over to be the the driver seat for a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's that conversation of when is it, when is it time to release, to let go, let God, when is it time to activate and to participate actively into doing something when is there some kind of I think it's like a it's a balancing act that we're constantly trying to figure out yeah. is how to how to sit down somewhere and listen so that it can be the motivation from which you act out of like the spiritual yeah. space is the place that you're being grounded in so that you can act out of that spiritual space rather than trying to create the spirit or decide yeah I must be partnered today or else you don't exist which sometimes is my prayer to God but no it, it'd be like that for me too it don't I, I'd be like that too I'd be like yo it's good but it, it's funny because I realized in the last couple of weeks the spirit been moving the spirit been just doing whatever it wanted to do and mm-hmm. doors has been opening and I've been feeling great and internal happiness since I'm getting there confidence we get there we're healing through some shit that's great but also, it's come to the it's come to the point in my life where spirit is like, all right, let's sit down, let's mm-hmm. sit, and I'm like, no, 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 I wanna, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go outside. No, spirit's like, sit your ass down, mm-hmm. and that's really hard to hear the spirit say sit down after seeing spirit move so much and how beautifully the spirit moves and how so breathtaking the spirit can actually be in your life. Mm-hmm. And you want more of it. It's ecstasy. You want it. You want all of it. You yeah. Know? It you can become it. an addictive part and of our lives. Yes. Yeah. Listen. And I think that may be the reason why Christian culture is because motherfuckers is mad addicted to the supernatural wonders. Like, mm-hmm. sit down. Mm-hmm. Like, supernatural numbers don't need to happen every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, that's where we get the mundane, right? When, when the mundane becomes our, like, our godmother, like, mm-hmm. that can make so much of a lot of things happier, you know? And I think it just, mm-hmm. I think I have them every day, like, you know, yeah. the up in the morning, seeing how beautiful, seeing the sunset, you're the ducks, you know? Like, those are my supernatural wonders. I'm like, yo, we really with the ducks. Like, we really could be with the ducks and we could be mm-hmm. with, like, we're all a part of, like, it's beautiful that we're all interconnected and and I think it's beautiful that, like, I get to even wake up. Like, I have breath in my lungs. Like, my mm-hmm. breath is, I think that was a, that's a song with Donnie McCurk. And I think my mm-hmm. breath is is God. Like, that's who I am. And so it, it just, it, and my whole quest to this whole erotic thing is, you know, I'm tired. I don't know about you, Tamara. I'm tired and I, it makes me sad every day to see how beautiful of a wife that we are given and it just it's just shackled by all the shit that we have yeah. to go through yeah i had a rough day yesterday i finally listened to npr after a two-week uh sabbatical from news watch listening in the morning and it mm-hmm. was about the pending starvation crisis in afghanistan Listen. and i thought back to all the rich wealthy people that i give my money to who are using it to go to space yeah. And I was like, something is wrong. <laughs> something <laughs> is deeply wrong. Deeply, deeply wrong. Like, I just am looking at God like, yo, son, for real? 
Like you can't move. No, you can't just real. force. You can't force Jeff Bezos to use my money for something else. But but actually, and <laughs> and I'll be like, yo, that ain't right theologically, you know. You right. know, and do I stop giving my money to Jeff Bezos? I don't. Know. I remember that. I like. I remember Doctor Carvalho. He said again, if people, if what it meant to be a Christian, you would be a Christian. Oh yeah, absolutely. like you really wouldn't. Absolutely, you wouldn't. I say this every You'll be time. Like, eh, eh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh, like so. The PB, who's the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, he's the one that gave the big uh, wedding sermon about love that everybody went mm-hmm. crazy about. And I'm like, people are like, oh, it's just so yes. nice. He talks about love, and I was like, if you understood what he was saying, you wouldn't actually like what he was saying. <laughs> what he is talking about is that deep incarnational, sacrificial. My life is 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 dedicated to like the erotic, to the living out of an incarnational Christ that believes in an equitable world where all of us have equitable. access to resources. <laughs> equitable, not equal, equitable world where all of us have access to resources and breath and clean air and healthcare and food and water and shelter. Like you may not have your luxury apartment anymore if you've lived a Christian life. You would possibly give it up and live in a smaller Mm -hmm. apartment that it also allows you to have clean shelter, Mm -hmm. but allows like homeless people to also have shelter. So like that's a that's a different kind of love. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like it's like I want to be able. I want to maneuver in the world in a way where I'm dismantling the fact that I I have a role that's getting people on microaggressions. Like my role in the world at this job at, the, at my position should not exist. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be treated. I shouldn't be people. employed. <laughs> exactly. I shouldn't be employed. And and for me, the be positions out in the world just to educate you on not to be shitty. That mm-hmm. is a problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is the problem. That you gotta pay people to teach someone else how to not be shitty and how to stand up for other people. What mm-hmm. in the are we living in listen we could go on and on and on and on yes, about, but... <laughs> everything. about everything but before listen, i let you too. go <laughs> i wanted to allow you to say promote anything you want to promote send people to where you want to send them anything else you want to say um my instagram is at i am nords n-o-r-d-s and you can follow me on Facebook, Nordia Bennett, and or you can send me an email at nordia.bennett at gmail.com. And that is spelled N-O-R-D-I-A-P-B-E-N-N-E-T-T gmail.com. And I would love to hear what y'all think. And yeah, like more stuff is coming now. I'm planning on having a workshop in December, Yay. which is really cool. I'm excited. And other than that, you can catch me on the gram and just in life. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at pursuingcall.com. 
That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L dot com. You can also visit pursuing.call.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve.